mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury, Inside the Heart of a Champion, with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighter's Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Next hour, we will dive all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. A lot to get to. Never slows down here. Always busy. Always busy down here in South Florida. Didn't take in a little bit of local action, which we'll get to in just a, just a matter of moments. As we were down over at the Mikasuki Resort and Gaming this week for a little Friday night boxing. Um, but last night you had on zone. Devin Haney was really his coming out party as he was taking on Antonio Mora. And what was supposed to be a big showcase for him, you know, this was going to be Alexander Osik's first showing on DAZN as he signed a big deal with them and, uh, you know, is, is starting to make that leap over to heavyweight, but he got hurt. And so this became Devin Haney's show and they did a lot of great promotion for him. I thought this was a good launching point for Devin Haney as far as what makes him tick, what, uh, what to look out for him, the kind of background that he has, who he's training with. And it was a fun fight. It was a fun fight going back and forth. I thought more that was, was pretty game through the first half of this fight as far as, you know, if I say first half of the fight, to say in the first seven rounds, I mean like the first three. And then uh, Devin Haney just proved to be too much. The hands were too fast. He was too slick, putting on too many movements. But what he hit him with to end this fight was absolutely devastating. A monster right hand. If you haven't seen it on social media, I'll retweet it so you guys can check it out. Um, but it was it was an absolute home run if you're looking for a showcase fight to show what the young man has to offer. 20 years old. Looks like a, an absolute dynamic star in the making. Uh, as It went as good as they could probably hope. And when you are the zone and you're looking for people to tune in and subscribe to you and you know you got the big fights in Anthony Joshua and you know you have the big fights in Canelo Alvarez and you know you have the big fights in Gennady Golovkin, uh, that's all great. And that is probably what's going to get people to fork over the 20 bucks a month. But the great thing about being a boxing fan, you just peep in every now and then and you see what could be, you know, the next thing in the making. So that was a really nice treat last night as far as what DAZN had to offer. It was a slow night as far as mixed martial arts was concerned as the UFC will be back in action next week. But but uh, but Haney was very impressive, and that's uh, that's a good thing for DAZN. You had, uh, you had last night also in the situation, the co-main event, it was a weird thing because it took forever, and they had a situation where, we had Philip Hergov was taking on uh, Hergovich was taking on uh, Gregory Bad News Corbin, who I saw fight back in Dallas. And man, what the hell was the Errol Spence fight? Was that March? Was it February? It's February, I think. Maybe it was March. Doesn't really matter. Uh, and the last time I saw Gregory Corbin fight, he was taking on Charles Martin and just wouldn't stop hitting him with low blows. And I happened to interview uh, Gregory Corbin that week because his trainer Jesse Robinson, who I'm very fond of. Shout out to Jesse Robinson, over, by the way, over at the Heavyweight Factory. And he's like, yeah, come on, interview my guy. And he was 15-0 in the showcase. He's taking on Charles Martin. He used to be a champion. All right, cool. We'll check him out. And happened to be in this situation where he just wouldn't stop hitting his opponent low until the point where the ref had to take away three points and then suspend him. So needless to say, it's been a little bit adventurous for uh, Gregory Corbin the last couple times out there. Um, but they couldn't find him gloves that would fit. So there was a big delay. And Philip Agrovich was, you know, kind of just waiting this thing out. And he's traded by Pedro Munoz, who, of course, has the gym down at the uh, Temi Park at the Muhammad Ali gym. And 
he was uh man he 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 made easy work of of Gregory Corbin this took very very short time Corbin got hit with a with a right hand right behind the ear you know Corbin was when he got up eventually after the count they were talking about oh uh, you know was it a uh you know was was it blatant behind the ear the one thing was he put his head in that position so it's kind of tough if you're seeing like was he directly aiming I don't think it was a blatant behind the head shot it was right there behind the ear it looked pretty clean to me and he made quick work of him I mean it was uh it was very very fast action last night on the zone in the first in the uh in the last two fights of the night so that's what you had there as far as Friday night was concerned we were down at the Mikasuki Gaming Dome and checking out Harold Calderon, Harold King Calderon, who is Miami's own, and he was looking to go to 20-0. He was looking to get a uh, a regional WBC championship as he was going for the WBC Feckerbox title, which is their Central American championship. Uh, Harold doesn't have any hardware as of yet, so this would have been his first professional title. So it was a big one for the Southpaw from Miami, and he was taking on Marcelo Bazowski, who is from Argentina, and speaking with Harold's trainer before the fight, they were a little bit nervous about this because Bazowski had, uh, he's tough as nails, really, really, uh, really durable, and you never quite know what you're going to get in those types of fights, and that's kind of how the fight played out. He went in there with a very durable veteran fighter who's, you know, initially was very hard to hit, and it felt like Harold, and the one thing about this where when when you're watching his fights down locally, where most of his fights have been down here in Miami, the dude packs the building wherever he's been, whether it's been Seminole Hard Rock, whether it's been the fairgrounds, whether it's been the gaming dome, you know, the guy brings a lot of fans down here in Miami, which is always impressive to see. You know, a lot of the times you see these fighters and they're so focused on the fighting aspect of it, which Harold also is, but there is that also element of can you sell yourself? Can you be a guy who gets people to care about you fighting? And that is something that is been very prevalent every time this guy steps into any type of arena down here is that people care about watching him down in his hometown that's that's it's very very impressive and 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 not something that is uh easily attained and gets people to notice but he is uh he is able to do that so you know I'm always interested when watching him like how is he going to handle the crowd because there's a lot of pressure that comes with it and you know he brings a very vocal crowd that wants to see him rid his opponent quite quickly and i imagine that it's hard to stick to a game plan when you know you want to win that piece of of a championship when you want to stay undefeated when you want to lift your career up and you also have all all of these people chanting your name and and uh and wanting to see you do good things so he uh he he went into the start of this fight and you know it seemed like it was very rushed in the beginning of it you know bazowski was fighting a very frantic pace was moving around a lot was uh, was hard to hit initially was was showing good defense was making Harold miss a lot um but I would say somewhere around the fourth round he really started to temper his pace and really just be more calculated and and be patient and knew that the thing was going to come and that's that's kind of how it started going out you know Zowski really did nothing else after that but start going on his bicycle and and trying to get out of his way and Harold was cutting off the ring and posing and eventually we got to the ninth round he's starting to piece him up really really nicely and hits him with a with with two piece right down to the body drops him right in his face fight ends from there Harold Calderon is your new WBC Fecker weight champion so very uh Fecker box championship champion 
Uh, so he has that Central American Championship for him, which will inevitably put him in the rankings with the WBC, which is huge. You know, it's, it's a big thing in this fight. There's a lot of people out there looking to get up those rankings, and we do a lot of uh, talking about, you know, what these belts mean and, and, and you know, the frustration sometimes of these sanctioning bodies, but you got to realize there's a lot of people in this sport who are looking to climb that ladder, and this is kind of their foot in the door. It is, this, it's, it's not enough just to go undefeated. It's how do you get noticed? How do you get your name up there? And this is how he's able to do it. A guy who is now 20-0, and 0, he's uh, stopped his last handful of opponents, which has been very impressive. So he's starting to see the way to, to get to the finish lines of fights a lot quicker, even though this one went to a 9-10. To a and 10. Um, he, uh, he was able to finish the job and close the show. So that's very impressive. The other part of the night was that he is always impressive with his entrance into the ring. And if you guys don't know with Harold, he's been in our show a bunch of times. He's been in studio. Um, dude is a huge Dwayne Wade fan. Harold Calderon is a monster, monster D Wade fan. Um, and he, he, he is so much a Dwayne Wade fan. I even put him in the give Dwayne Biscayne video, which you guys can see at Brennan underscore Tobin is the, uh, it's the pinned video on my account and loves D-Wade. So it was pretty badass. I didn't know what his attire was going to be for this. I knew I saw his T-shirts. He put out these these T-shirts that a lot of his fans were wearing where they were vice colors, Miami vice colors, but I didn't know what his attire was going to be going to the ring. And so uh, I'm positioned right outside the red corner curtain, and he walks out, and he is decked out in, like, Miami Heat vice jersey vest, with uh, his name, King Calderon, up in front of the Miami Heat Vice Colors. He's wearing this badass, like, uh, I don't know how to put it, like a like a, like a a scream mask or like a Jason mask, but it has, uh, like, uh, light uh, fluorescent blue lights coming from it. Very, very cool. And as he makes the turn down to the ring, you see on the back of his robe, it says Wade, Wade number three, which is pretty cool. So, you know, I posted this on social media, and got a very clear view of it and just put out there on the video, you know, Miami's Harold Calderon walks to the ring wearing at Miami Heat Vice Colors, added Dwayne Wade with at Dwayne Wade on the back and posted this on my Instagram account and posted this on my Twitter account. And sure enough, uh, this is probably in the midst of the first round. It didn't take any time at all. But as this fight is going down, um, D-Wade noticed. D-Wade saw it on social media and sent me a note he called it dope on uh, in my instagram message box and then retweeted it to his gazillion followers on twitter and and posted that's tough like he loved the walkout so it was pretty cool and i knew that was going to mean a lot to harold and so after he was victorious and he won his belt and was celebrating with his his uh, his friends. We got a chance to talk to him, and here's what he had to say. I mean, there are Calderon Miami Zone. He improves to 20 and 0. Right. Impressive performance once again. How did you feel like that went out? Great performance. Thank you, man. He was an experienced fighter. He know how to survive. You know, the first two rounds I was a little antsy, and then in the third round I was like, let me take my time. And once I started taking my time, I just started breaking them apart. I started breaking them apart, paying, you know, paying the dudes to the stomach, and then it paid off. It paid off in the ninth round. We got it done. I'm just glad I, this is probably my seventh, eighth fight at home. You know, I'm just happy that everybody came out, supported me, 
You put in a lot of hard work out, now you got some hardware to show for it. I know that's the big thing to notice for the for the launch point of your career. What does it mean to you to have that strap around your shoulder right now? Now it's just a, like a sign, like a, a like you're getting closer to the to the to, to what you want. Be a world champion. You know, this is just the beginning, the first title, first strap. You know, this is gonna put me in a good position in the ranking, and I'm just excited. I'm just ready for whatever to come. I get better and better every fight, so. I just can't wait till that's what I'm gonna do next fight, cause I know I'm gonna look so much better. Cause I, that's it. This is the this is the world title chase run. Like this is it. It's no more games. We know what we want. We know what we gotta do. We gonna conquer. One more thing before I get you out of here. Your outfit is amazing tonight. Yeah. Uh, you're on for those who can't see it. It's uh, he's wearing Miami Heat vice colors with Dwayne Wade on the back of the jersey. Tell me the inspiration for that. Come on, man. You know better than anybody how I feel about that man. You know I, I had to rep the jersey. He retired. You know, I always told you that's my favorite player. He's the reason that I love basketball like I do. You know, he's from the same city. I feel like I want to be something in my city like that. Maybe get a Harold Calderon Causeway, like he said before. Or, you know, Dwayne Wade. You know, we got to give him that Dwayne Wade, uh, Biscayne Boulevard, all that. We got we got, we got, got to give it to him, man. That's the GOAT, man. You know that. Well, I want to show you something before we wrap up the night, all right? Okay. So I, I filmed your walkout. And I posted on social media. I got myself a little bit of a message. Oh. Yo, that just made my night, man. That shit, like, made me real emotional, man, because, yo, I, you know, I look up to that man. I had to go, I, I didn't get to go to a lot of games this season, but, you know, I'm always there because I was work, working on my, my career and my stuff. So, but I made it to, like, three games, and I had to make it to the last one. And, it, you know, I, I almost cried, like, when I seen that man walk away from that court, man. Uh, it's just a blessing. Man. He, not only, he not only DM'd me, but he sent me, uh, he sent out a big retweet to it uh, and everything. Oh, wow. So you walk outside to a bunch of people. They, uh, they oh, my God. Games. That's amazing, man. I'm just glad he saw it, man, because that's what it was for, for him to know. Like, he, he motivates a lot of people in the city. You know, it's Wade County, and that's it. It's Wade County, man. They need to change it already. Wade County, uh, Dwayne Wade Boulevard, we got to give it all, man. That's my man right there, man. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank I appreciate you, D-Wade. That meant a lot to me, for real. Congratulations, Harold. Enjoy the night, all right? Yes, sir. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I got to shout out, you know, uh, 790 tickets. They always take care of me. I'm going to be there this week so we can chop it up some more. So congratulations to him. That was really cool. His favorite basketball player after he won, got his big knockout, 20-0. and And uh, one of his favorite athletes actually ended up seeing his walkout to him, which was a tribute to him. So that was a really cool ending to the night. And it was a fun Friday night. We'll be back with more on Fighters Fury right after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back. Fighters Fury here on The Ticket. Now joined by SEMA in studio. Good morning, SEMA. Good morning. Good to have you in. Uh, we were just talking about the March for Cancer. Indeed. Uh, we talked a little bit about it last week. Always uh, always blown away by it, but uh, how? what was your impressions of this year's event? It was an amazing event. Another amazing success story. March for Cancer on the beach. We had nearly 1,000 people there in all it's just it's a beautiful time yeah very uh very overwhelming at times because you have families that travel from all parts of the country realistically they fly in from canada they fly in from the northeast from the west coast and they walk in in memory of someone or walk to support the initiative or or just because they they want to do something good in the community and uh, so we're very humbled and grateful to have the opportunity to put the event on to be blessed in the position to make an impact in many lives that are faced with cancer. And we just want to 
uh, thank all the listeners and everyone that came out to support it and look forward to next year's event for the, the Big Ten, the Big 1-0 next year. That's crazy, man. Ten years. You believe yes. that? It's amazing. It's so impressive. Well, you know, great job by you guys putting that on every single year. It was uh, it was absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you. As thank you for the year. support. Every single year. So next week, I'm sure you're not going to see it because it's Anthony Joshua on DAZN. But oh, yeah. he is uh, he is taking on Andrew Ruiz to defend his title. He was supposed to be taking on Jarrell Miller. But, of course, as we were discussing during the break about the Drake curse, yes. uh, you know, you take a picture of Drake, your opponent falls out. That's Done. how it works. Drake curse. Jakers is, is is somewhat over, right? It's it's like kind of it's, ah, it's a. I mean, I don't is think it's a legend. I, I, don't, I don't think it's allowed to be over until he wins a championship. That's true. You know, because anything he goes around, like, because the only thing is, like, the further you go, the heartbreak gets worse. That's right. So they may be setting Deeper. up Drake for a big fall here, uh, even with the Toronto Raptors making. I mean, he has been so in this series; it's been ridiculous. It's like it's, yeah, I saw him. I'm saw him yesterday. Actually, he looked exhausted at the end of the game. He was sweating. Yeah, breathing he, did heavy. He need, did he need an IV? You know, he he probably had to go back to the trainers and and get uh, rehydrated. Right. He it's was good. he was all in. That's for sure. Well, it was funny because I was watching. Uh, I didn't know that Anthony Joshua was doing a lot of his training down here. I just found this out this week. He was uh, he he had like his own little gym that he built in some mansion or something like that. Ah, and, perfect uh, place for a gym. Yeah, and so um, way to rough it out. Exactly, and so he was. Uh, he was showing all around, and they showed like this clip that he did in New York of an interview he did, and they were talking about, uh, hey, would you, would you have Drake walk you out, uh, for your for your for your fight? He goes, oh no 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 no. Like everybody like everybody knows this is a thing. They just did. And it. I didn't really know that until this morning. I'm telling you, McGregor like he hangs out with McGregor. McGregor loses. He hangs out with Kentucky. Kentucky loses. He hangs out any team that he touches, they lose. It's just it's automatic. He hanged out with uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. like he was the hot prospect. And you know, people were anticipating. Blue Jays fans were ten game slump. He comes up to the major leagues, can't hit the broadside of a barn. Like he was hitting like six hundred in the minors. They bring him up, first handshake with Drake. Takes him like two weeks to get his first home run. Wow! The Drake curse is so strong in sports. It's It's real. It's a real thing. So maybe this will break it, but I doubt it. I think the Warriors will smoke him. I think so too. And then and then you'll see the the memes, the pouty pouty Drake. Sobbing Drake. I <laughs> uh, love it. Um, but, yeah, so Anthony Joshua is fighting next week on DAZN, which, you know, I don't understand what it is with this thing, man. Like, I, I, uh, I'm I, trying to be more, the the crowd. Sh- the more in the streaming thing than you are. But, man, like, that DAZN, it, it buffers so badly. Like, worse than, like, the UFC fight, uh, the UFC uh, on ESPN, never an issue. Top rank on ESPN, never an issue. Well, Watch- that's because of ESPN. I guess. It's the platform. But, but well, like, it's the platform. It's, it's the streaming capabilities. It's the bandwidth. It's the only one I continue to have problems with, and I just I don't understand it, how they're this far into the game, and they're doubling their, their monthly subscription price. And They got and your money, though. They're still doing it to me. I was like, come on, man. You can't be doing this. This is ridiculous. But the big thing that's going to be interesting to watch next week is, I guess, just how fast Anthony Joshua, like, people. it's not enough that he goes and wins. He's got to go out there, and, and people feel like he's got to do what Wilder did to Dominic Brazil which was annihilate him in, in a round. And, you know, good luck to AJ. If that's if, Did he come out and say he's going to kill him? He didn't say no, that. He didn't no, say he didn't say he was going to kill him. He didn't say he was going to kill him. But but he, uh, you know, I don't feel like that's the best Anthony Joshua to fight. Like, it's one thing to be Deontay Wilder who can overwhelm you with the most power possible. But with with AJ, you know, I and it, I don't mean to do, you know, Brit on Brit comparison, but 
I've felt like watching him of of the of the heavyweights he reminds me most of it's Lennox Lewis. Like yes. huge guy, best, you know, establishing that jab, that range and I mean he has a diabolical uppercut which can really really hurt his opponent, but you know, to think that he should go out there and and, and just be like an a, a, an uncaged bull going in to beat his opponent. I don't know, man. Like I think that's like, how you get that, knocked that, out. That's how you get knocked out. Like I feel like that is a that's a that's a dangerous game you would go play if you were to do that. And I think I think you know, could this be strategy that's being discussed as a part of the Wilder camp whereby the best shot we have to beat this guy is to get him riled up and out of his technical boxing set? Maybe. You know, I could see that being the case. Your best shot. At least, you, you know, what are the what is the probability that he's going to outbox Joshua? Next to nil, oh, outbox no. him. What's the, what's the probability that he could knock him out if they both let Spitz go. 50-50. Yeah, absolutely. So your probability is much better if you get him out of the game. Well, maybe even better. Like, look, if if, could be. if Klitschko put him down, yeah. I, I have no doubt that that, uh, that Wilder has the power to put him down. No absolutely. Doubt. No doubt. But the thing, that's, the thing that's frustrating is, like, look, it's all good to talk about. We're in this, this, uh, this position of, you know, talking about heavyweight boxing again and talking about these guys again, but Ultimately, I don't want these guys, you know, circling around and waiting and negotiating and jockeying for position and who had the more impressive knockout. It's all it's all good to talk about and compare going into their fights, but you know, eventually we want to see them fight each other. That's what we want to see. I don't want to see Anthony Joshua. <gasps> Excuse me. Take wow. on uh, take it on Andy Ruiz. I don't want to see that. I, it's not a slight on Andy Ruiz, but I want to see. I think it's I think it's a reasonable thing to say. I want the guy with all the belts to take on the WBC champion. And see who the best guy is on the planet. You know, agree. Negotiations be damned, all that stuff. Because we've seen this movie before. It's called Mayweather Pacquiao. It doesn't play out well. It's actually called boxing. It's called box. Yeah, fair point by you. It's just called boxing. Like this, this jockeying and this ponying up for position. It's like you know, it just gets frustrating after a while. The fans just want to see what the fans want to see. I think the only guy that we've ever seen in recent years, you know, not ever, but in recent years, take on all comers could possibly be and in their prime could possibly be Canelo. I agree with that. Yeah. You know, this guy will fight anybody. Yeah, like anytime. He, there'll be the times where Canelo will put something off for six months. Yeah, but that's but different than three years. The, yeah, I, I can't imagine a Canelo fight where he has put on uh he has put on such a a a long drawn out process. It'd be one thing if like him versus Triple G took three years to make. Really didn't. I mean they were talking about it probably eighteen months. Take and three had, like, years to make the third one. Right, right. It's it, exactly, and, and and I think and that and, and and look, he's the biggest draw in boxing. He is he is bar none, the most bona fide star the sport has. The easiest bankable thing you have in pay per view or now streaming. Um, I imagine that they knew that, and that's why they upped their prices right before his fight happened because they wanted to make more money. They got to so, pay him back three hundred million dollars. Hundred percent. They got to buy more servers so but, they can stream it without buffering. But ultimately, don't you think that? We have a situation here with with Anthony Joshua, and I was reading quotes from Deontay Wilder this week where he's like, you know, I just don't think it's going to happen by the end of the year. Probably easier to make the Tyson Fury rematch, which, you know, I'd be happy with that too. That was a great fight, but these are the guys who have the belts. I want to see eventually, like, I want to see the guy who is the champion. If Tyson Fury ended up winning that fight and he was WBC champion, I'd want to see him versus Anthony Joshua. I want to have an undisputed heavyweight champion. I agree. I'd be okay with seeing him fight Tyson Fury. Yeah, me too. Again. Me too. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not super greedy, but 
I think the point of all of this is can we get one guy as for long the Klitschko's having that death hold on the heavyweight division and keeping their their championship over in Germany at 4 p.m. in the afternoon to see these fights. These guys should be, you know, fighting for all the belts, defending all the belts, fighting in Vegas, fighting in prime time. This is this is what the sport is built on. This is what the this is what everybody came to see and you know all this talk about well you know it's just not the right time yet it's not it's not built to the right it's no 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 take the Canelo playbook go out there fight the hardest guys be happy with your success and the fans are going to follow like yeah. you're not going to be out there and looked upon as anything less if you guys are to fight each other Deontay Wilder a lot of people thought he lost the Tyson Fury fight and didn't didn't deserve getting the draw I agree you know but I thought he lost but even still he took on the toughest fight. Did his star drop any? If anything, he's probably more popular than he was. I think he is more popular than he was before. And I think we've kind of gone through this change in in the mindset of fans because for a long time, if you weren't an undefeated boxer right. or if you only had didn't have only one loss, then you were a bum. Right. And I, I do believe that MMA has helped to curb that expectation because some of the best fighters in the world, you know, they're 21 and six. And that's because they get in the cage and they fight whoever, well, whenever. How many losses does Cowboy Cerrone have? Like, I think double digits, doesn't he? Is he right now? Because Ronda Rousey doesn't fight, Brock Lesnar doesn't fight. Outside of Conor McGregor, is there is there a more popular fighter than Donald Cerrone? I don't, I don't think so. I don't From think a so. fan's perspective, no. I don't think so. And nobody cares because you want because maybe he, oh, John he's going to fight Tony Ferguson on a month's notice. Yeah, that's a crazy person. And he doesn't care. He really doesn't care if he loses. He's just re- going to put his best out there. This was the great quote from from Donald Cerrone, why he was frustrated with the negotiations. He says uh, it really didn't take any convincing for me. More or less, the UFC called me, asked if I want to fight. I said yes. Then it took two or three days for Tony to agree to the fight, which really pissed me off because the UFC called and offered me, left me in limbo. I said, hey, man, I'm on bleeping vacation. Can I drink beer and eat guacamole, or do you need me to go run on the beach? <laughs> How is that not the most popular thing in fighting? It's it's unbelievable. And, you know, you just look at that, and you want it to just be rewarded for that mentality and and that and that kind of that kind of mental fortitude that he has. Well, in in defense of Tony, he needed to speak to a couple of his personalities before they <laughs> before yeah. they they made a decision collectively right. as a group. That's true. I hope he's okay going into this thing. But you know, ultimately the one good thing about the UFC and it does have its flaws, don't get me wrong, but the one good thing about having for the most part one company decide who the best fighters are going to fight is you mostly get the fights you want to see mostly correct and now you have in boxing you have the exact opposite you have these independent promoters that have the rights to these fighters and on top of that you have tv networks that have the rights to these fighters so it's just a a convoluted mess of negotiation and egos and the other thing that i think is you know I found interesting is like I do feel like there's more boxing content than ever, and I do think that, I do think that's a good thing the streaming platforms have brought. But one of the things I found that I think is negative about it is because it's streaming. Because, well, yes, <laughs> well, it's buffering and streaming. But I do think the one problem is no when when there were ever these issues of hey we can't figure out a network to do it, there was always that medium of pay per view, 
Correct. And now you don't have that because Canelo is locked up to streaming and Anthony Joshua is locked up to streaming. But they could no, they can make they can make that decision. Look at the look at the UFC. UFC technically had a deal with Fox. Yes. And Mayweather technically had a deal with Showtime. And what did both networks do? They came together. They wanted to make that fight. They saw the zeros associated with that fight. And they realized that, hey, guys, we need to sit at the table and make this happen. Anything is possible as long as people sit at the table and have a conversation and have some dialogue about it and not play games and utilize the media to position the other guy as the bad guy. It's just a bunch of bunch of crap. Well said. Thank you. I, I kept you from hitting the button. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Fighters Fury here. I love this, man. I love the I love the politics in fighting. So this was this was savvy. So you remember the uh the the infamous brawl, right? Seem of Khabib and Conor McGregor after their fight. Things, things went crazy. And famously, the Nevada State Athletic Commission, they banned Khabib's teammates from competing for a year. Well, Khabib has said, I'm not fighting until they're allowed to fight again. Yes. Which would have been until November. But they were trying to make Dustin Poirier versus Khabib for the undisputed lightweight championship in September. So what are they going to do? Well, Easy enough, the Nevada State Athletic Commission decided to drop their suspensions by 35 days for, quote-unquote, community service. <laughs> <laughs> so. Dana used the juice. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, listen, what are we, we going to have to do here to make this happen? And so what did they do? Who's the commissioner? What's the commissioner's Bob name? Bob Bennett. Bob Bennett. Dude hey, with the glasses. Hey, Bob, you see that Ferrari across the street? Listen, I'm gonna just drop these keys here and we'll vamoose, all right? You do what you gotta do. Just uh, you know, make it seem like they uh picked up some garbage or something or read the kids. Wow. Interesting. Yep. Yep. So it looks like we'll be getting that sometime soon. They are scheduling it for t- UFC two forty two, September seventh in Abu Dhabi. On ESPN plus and ESPN pay per view. Correct. So I won't be seeing it. Do you think that Dustin has a shot in that fight? Because I think he, I mean, he is, he's so well-rounded in his boxing. Shout out to Daya Davis, by the way, who's his, who's, who's his, uh, his boxing coach. And really, since those two have worked together, Dustin's striking has been unbelievable. Um, he's not, re- he has no weakness. I mean, Dustin really is good at everything. And, and Khabib is great at one thing. <laughs> wow, you said his name Khabib. so perfectly. I know. He, he is dominant at one thing he got that really good overhand right wild overhand right on connor in that in their fight but that's not his forte dustin it's the dry hump takedown yeah man so if you're dustin poirier what would be the best way you think you'd go about it do you do you go in there while he try and crack shoot him? when he goes to shoot you knee him right in the face right in the face just he's like all right let's see if we can get you know he's gonna shoot so Sometimes he doesn't even no, he Sometimes doesn't. he just grabs trips, that leg yeah. and just trips and puts you down and now it ties you up. And he'll, and like you said, he's happy to just sit and hump for a good round or two and maybe get some hammer fists in there and, and just wear you out. And then 
you know, as the rounds go on, that's when they climb up you and yep. then start wailing. Yeah. I mean, he's so not an exciting fighter to me. But I think he's shown that he's susceptible to, to, to getting wobbled. And I think that someone with very precise technical boxing skills, like it appears that Dustin has acquired over time, I think that he poses a challenge, but he can't be hesitant to not let his hands go for the purposes of trying to keep himself balanced. Right. To resist the takedown. The He's got to go in there and be offensive and aggressive. And I think if you push Habib backwards, he's less comfortable. And he's not really in a position to utilize his weight and his momentum to flip you and take well, it down. The other thing that does help with Dustin, too, is, and I think one of the reasons that he has gotten better, especially as he's gone to 155, is, look, he trains at the best the, the best gym out there. That place is, like, you go in there and it's just like, a, if you're... Honestly, if you're a UFC fan and you were to walk into American Top Team, it'd almost be like going to a fan convention. That's how many good fighters they have. It's a who's who. And when he's out there and, and he is, you know, sharpening his tools with Jorge Masvidal, who is a win away from being welterweight champion, or Colby Covington, who is interim champion, that's a lot different than Connor, who had to, you know, improve his skill set, train with the same dudes from Ireland. And, and who, who knows how hard they're going with the guy. really, really don't appear to be very good. In a lot of cases. Yeah, they don't have the resumes those guys do. No. Not even close. I think if Connor went to another camp, that he would continue to evolve. Yeah. I guess so. It's say. it's hard yeah, it's 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 hard to it's hard to evolve. And you know with Dustin, we've seen that guy get better. Like it's 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 easy to say I mean, look, you're going out there, you're out striking Max Holloway in a fight? Come on, man. That dude that dude that dude striking is ridiculous. There's a saying Long time ago, when when I think we were on the air with uh, Conan, and he said, "You never want to be the best fighter in the camp." Yeah, you Makes can't sense. get better that way. That's true. You know, you can't push yourself and stretch outside your comfort zone when you're the best guy, or when when you're when you're coddled and protected from taking a strike or from being taken down, and that's what ATT offers. They offer that. That grind, they offer that, you know, push him to the next level, you know, just never stop. Right. And, and that type of mentality, I believe, is what makes you a champion and gets you championship ready that we've seen. Yeah, and I'm sure it's helped with Khabib, too, being in there and, and doing it with, you know, when he was at AKA, even though, you know, they used to have the reputation of beating each other to a pulp. There is something to be said for you're in there with a lot of world champions and a lot of guys who are at the top of the sport. And I'm sure that has helped him a tremendous amount as well. Yep. Your your career will be shortened, but you'll be prepped and ready for the fight that you're going into. Yeah. Well, I mean, seemingly there's only shortened pains. Everybody else seems like they're okay. Like you gotta be like DC and just blow up. Just get yourself nice and nice and thick. Well, he creates the cushion. Yeah. Some insulation. Yeah. He's 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 not worried about it at all. Speaking of Conor McGregor, uh, he did reveal this week on social media that he suffered a hand injury in sparring, a hand injury. He put out a, video, uh, a photo of himself. He has a cast on his hand, and according to ESPN, the injury is not believed to be serious. Uh, they declined to say what the severity was. Didn't Woodley just have the same thing? He did. He had to pull out of a fight. He did. He had to pull out of his uh, Robbie Lawler fight. Isn't that six weeks away? Well, it was at the time, I think. Uh, I think it was at the time, yeah. I think it was at the time. But 
Connor didn't have a fight scheduled. I think they've been asking, and now they're saying that his target date for a return is summer or early fall. If that is the case, um, and they're going to go with Connor versus uh, Khabib, I guess the way we could look at it is he's trying to stay in lockstep if he gets a win that he's able to be right in the same time frame as as Khabib or Dustin, whoever comes out with the championship. Um, that's definitely one. The, the thing with Connor is, the interesting thing is, if he wins this next fight and so does Khabib, is that, if Connor gets a win, is that enough to catapult him back into the title picture? If he beats, if, if Dustin wins, if he ends up becoming an undisputed champion, it's, it's an easy sell because Dustin, he beat him when they were featherweights. He knocked him out. Are you giving me the money sign? That's all it takes. All it takes That's is it the takes. money. It's all about the money. Is he going to draw the eyes? Or are they going to put somebody in the cage against him that technically is going to make for a good fight? No, they're going to draw the eyes. They're going to want the pandemonium that comes with Conor McGregor. They're going to want the hype. He's going to cut an amazing deal. He's going to make the other guy rich. Right. And they're both happy. Well, regardless of who wins. Let's say we got, we got. Donald Cerrone versus Tony Ferguson coming up in two weeks. Is that too quick a turnaround for either one of those guys if they were to come back and fight Connor in the fall? Not for not, Cerrone. Not, not for Cerrone. <laughs> Cerrone, it's too long, quite frankly. But for, for Cerrone will ask for a fight in between. Probably. And I'm sure that and we know that he's been hunting that Conor McGregor fight forever, and that would be an amazing fight. We talked I like about that, that two fight weeks more. ago. I like that fight the best of all of them. Yeah. Because Cerrone's going to stand and bang with him. The other guys are going to look for a tactical advantage. So I don't I don't really I mean I I see it from who's earned it and who deserves it, but I think for the fans and for the excitement and the pandemonium that ensues, yeah. I don't think it would get better between that group. I don't think it gets better than Cerrone and McGregor. Well, if they were to maybe do... Ferguson, because Ferguson might do some crazy off the wall. I type think Ferguson stuff would be the... amazing, yeah. but I do think that Connor versus Donald has been so long in the making. I think that Donald can't be shook by that the trash talk that Connor's going to do. But you know, Connor would have a lot of material for him. Yeah, uh, it would be. I could I could picture now Connor McGregor showing up with spurs on and boots and 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 the turquoise the turquoise belt right as he uh, rolls up. He probably rolls up to the press conference on a horse. Yep. You know, something like that. I can see it now. I stole your horse. Yep. I stole it. Come take it from me. He just punches his horse right in the face. <laughs> oh, then you got Peter going nuts. Oh, it'd be great. It'd be great. Just, ah, I stuck your horse. I gave him a left hand right across his big stupid nose. It'd be amazing, man. I would love it. Did Connor just walk in here for I a know, second? I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I, it's, he's, he's right. The question, the question that I have about Connor is, is he getting better? And I can't say that he is. Not now. I think that he's I think that he's just, you know, he's kicked back, relaxed, and he's he probably wakes up every morning and counts his money. Yeah. And, you know, more power to him. He made it. But I don't think that he's done anything to accelerate. Well, he hasn't won a fight since. Growth. I mean, if we look at it, what he hasn't won a fight since twenty sixteen. Yeah. Against Eddie, been a while. It's been a while. Like the guy needs a win. Um, now, if he loses, does it start to dim the shine of Conor McGregor in the fans' eyes? 
it depends. I think it probably will in the in the moment. Like if you look at his rise, like that, I don't think Connor's ever going to be able to match what it was him getting to the championship. That no, that, there was that run of knockouts to get to Jose Aldo was incredible. And then the, the, what, the, the ten two, second the, knockout, the, the two classics between you know Nate the between him and Nate Diaz, um, and then him getting the second belt with Eddie Alvarez that hadn't been done, holding the the belts at the same time. That's not going to be done. Like that's 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 something that that when you get to that level, that's what got you to that level of fame. Hard to match. Well, that's why it made perfect sense for him to take the Mayweather fight and to go somewhere else and do something. Obviously, above and beyond financial. Yeah. But there was really nothing more he could accomplish. The reward was never going to be worth worth the risk within the UFC. Right. What was he going to fight? Tony Ferguson at that point, Tony Ferguson would have rolled him up in a in a in a ball and put him to sleep. Well, the thing that's like if we were to look at Connor, Khabib, Tony, Dustin, and Cowboy, um, like if you were to if you were to rank them right now, it's hard to put Connor in the class of those guys, even with him beating Dustin, because we've seen all those guys in action. We've seen them get better. We've seen them do great things. Um, maybe you still have the most questions about Tony, obviously, with his mental whereabouts and because he had the very, very gnarly knee injury. I think he's better with the mental. But he might be the best. Itch. He might, and, and that's the thing. Tony might be the best lightweight on the planet. We just haven't been able to see it because of all the stuff that he's gone through physically and mentally. He might be the best one out of all of them. Like, he had his championship taken away from him because he tripped on some cables at a UFC television station or a TV Is set. Is that what it was? Yeah, he was doing press for the UFC and tripped over cables, shh, knee, torn to shreds. I thought it was in training or something. He was walking no, on man. something. No, man, he was doing press for the UFC, and they took his interim belt away. because Even of worse. It was terrible. So I think the solution to that is put him and Dana in a fight. Perhaps. I'd, I'd pay for that. Perhaps. I would sign up for ESPN Plus for that. Really? Yes. What do you think you would go with? Do you, do you, do you go immediate elbows to Dana, or do you try and uh, do, you do the choke out? Like, do you I try think you and, do, do you the choke and, out, and right before, right when he's about to tap, you let go and wake him back up. <laughs> Just bring him back. Yeah, bring him back. And he'd be like, and he'd try and blind the ref. Pop so the him ref, with it. Pop so him with an elbow. So the ref can't see. Yeah. He's not back. He's not back. Right when, he's, right when he's getting ready to tap, you let go and hit him with an elbow and wake him up. Uh, do you have any interest level next week into Gustafson versus Anthony Smith? Because I, I really am I'm struggling with that one. Is it, I, I, I like seeing both of those guys fight. But I don't really know what's on the line here because I saw just John. I saw John Jones dispose of them both quite easily. So even with them both coming out, I know Gustafson's going to be out there and he's going to be like, uh, "I want a title shot." I'm going to be sitting here and I'm like, "Yeah, big boy." But we just saw that. I don't, don't really we know. all? Yeah, don't we all? <laughs> that would be a great. Whoever's interviewing him, you should do the post fight interview. I think. I, I hope whoever it is. I hope if it's Paul Felder or 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 Daniel Cormier, just be like, "Oh, don't we all?" Yeah. Or John Anik. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. John uh, Anik wouldn't say it. <laughs> uh, Vulcan Uzer versus Alir Latifi. I'm into that fight. That's a good fight. I don't. Again, I don't know what's mostly on the line there, uh, but I think both those guys are both very good fighters. So that'll be interesting. I think Latifi. Latifi's an ATT guy, right? I think he is. Yeah. I go with Latifi, and I go with um, on the first fight. You go with Anthony Gustafson. Smith. You go with Gustafson. I am I think- because I think the reach and the length is going to pose a challenge to Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I'm I'm in lockstep with you on that one. I think that I think I agree with that as well. I think Smith had his little run. He got to he got to destroy some legends. 
Um, he beat up Volkan Uzdemir after he was after he was getting hurt pretty bad in that fight, and then was able to take the wherewithal. But I'm with you, Gustafson, and you're going with Latifi. Yes. All right. We'll see what happens next week, man. We will. Uh, do you think Anthony Joshua wins? Yes. Does he knock out? By uh, uppercut. Uppercut. Uppercut knockout third round. Ooh, with the round. Yeah. You're going with the round, huh? Yeah. How about that? I could be wrong. I've I've watched Stephen A. Smith do it for, for weeks. <laughs> so I can be completely wrong. Oh, Redeem man. myself next week. All right, guys. We've got a quick bonus segment for you here. Again, um, didn't even get my prediction in with Seema. We were running out of time there. We had the next show to get to. So I want to uh, give you my thoughts on what I think with AJ, Andy Ruiz, what's going to happen. So... In the macro of it, we were talking about this on the main show where I think that Anthony Joshua is, he reminds me so much of Lennox Lewis, and I know that's a corny comparison to make, but I just think that he has so many of those qualities. Just a big dude, powerful, so good with his jabs, so good fighting at range. He's He really is an, an impressive individual. Um, susceptible to getting knocked down, much like Lennox Lewis was back in the day, but uh, ultimately, his technical, his, ta- his 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 tactical style, with addition to his strength, his body, his range, can can put guys on the ground. Just think they're just eerily similar. Um, this fight with Andrew Ruiz is an interesting one. Obviously, he's got to prepare for a much different guy, a guy that probably has a little bit more natural power than Jarrell Miller does. Maybe doesn't throw the volume that Jarrell Miller does. Uh, both guys he was preparing for had quick hands. Both are bigger bodied guys, so. I think, look, this to me is a fight where he really should be able to stay out of danger in a lot of ways. But there is the big question about whether or not he wants to win with style points. If he wants to win with style points, if he wants to appease the crowd, it's his first time in America fighting in Madison Square Garden. It's obviously going to be a lot of talk after this one about who is the most impressive heavyweight. A lot of jockeying for position between those three guys of him, AJ, and Tyson Fury, uh, between AJ, Deontay Wilder, and Tyson Fury. Um, I think eventually he is, you know, Seaman predicted a third-round knockout. I don't think it's going to come that fast. I just don't think that's how AJ tries to go and win fights. I do think that he is very mature in how he wants to go do things. So I, I think it's going to probably be more like a seventh, eighth-round stoppage that that he'll eventually get. Um if he does go and get a monster, monster knockout, the thing that's going to be interesting is this. If AJ does go get a monster knockout, is the reaction going to be, see, I told you we're just as impressive as Deontay Wilder. We're really the man here. Or is the if, if he goes and puts a highlight KO on Andy Ruiz, is the thirst for this fight between him and Deontay going to grow even bigger? And I'm hoping it's that. I hope that if he does go out and gets a sensational win and does knock out Andy Ruiz in style, I hope the reaction is, man, now more than ever we need to see these guys go fight. And they make even more money. Uh, ultimately, that's what I want to see. And I hope it's the case. Uh, before we before we, we venture off in today's show, uh, I want to bring you this interview I did with George Cambosos Jr. He is an Australian lightweight. He's been training down here over in Miami as he's getting ready for his fight coming up on June 7th. He's going to be fighting in Greece. Uh, you're going to see this guy in the light heavy uh, in the lightweight division title picture very, very soon, guys. So he's a very interesting fellow. He is from Australia, as I've mentioned. 
Greek heritage, so he has a lot of fans in Greece. It's going to mean a lot to him. And he's been doing his training over here with Javier Santana, who is uh, who runs Sweat Boxing, which is in Davie. Uh, cool little gym. was my first time visiting there. Shout out to Peter Kahn for the, uh, for the invite over to the gym. And getting a chance to speak with George as we are... You know, coming in on a big fight for him as he's trying to, again, it was one of the establishing things. I love talking to these guys on the rise up. I love talking to these guys as they are trying to get towards the ultimate goal of becoming champion. Um, the hunger that they have, the the drive that they have, it's it's second to none. It really is just an unbelievable self-motivating thing to see the the kind of drive these guys have. And George is no different than that, man. But he is a, he is a fun, in, interesting individual that we got to speak with. So here's my conversation with George Cambosos Jr. Hope you guys enjoy and have a great rest of your show. All right, guys, we continue here on Fighters Fury. Very excited to be joined by our next guest. We are talking to George Cambosos Jr., the Spartan. He is going to be fighting June 7th coming up in Greece, man. Thank you for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's good to, uh, to chat with you. This is, uh, this is very cool. You're getting an opportunity to fight over in Greece. To see how many times have you been able to have that opportunity? Um, this is the first time in Greece. Yeah. Obviously, it's a headline. This show it's going to be the biggest event, uh, boxing event ever hit Greece. You know, I mean, this is exciting for me. I've always wanted to fight in Greece. That's where my origins come from. That's where my family. That's family. That's, uh, family uh, that's, that's my bloodlines. You know, I mean, I'm very proud Greek, uh, very proud Australian. So, to be able to go there, headline, bring back a big fight um, to the, to the Greek people, to the Greek fans, um, very exciting. Especially where, where we are in our stage of a career now, um, sitting in world number five. Yeah. There's not many opportunities they're going to get to see me after this fight. So to get this fight in there, um, it's, always, it's exciting. Yeah, it's always cool to have those opportunities to know that they were there before like the big launch happened. Yeah, that's of course. A, that's a big time feel. So your heritage is Greece. Like your parents are from are, are from Greece, or your or your grandparents. Like where's where's the the tie there? My grandparents. Uh, right. Both my grandparents, they, they they were born in Greece, raised up in Greece. And then they came looking for a better life in Australia for their family, to provide for their family. So for me to have a name there now, um, not only is it excited for myself, but makes makes them proud. Yeah. You know, they're all alive there. They're, they're, they're so excited that I'm able to go back to Greece and uh, headline a show like this. So it's, it's, it's amazing. What's the family uh, going to be like as far as in attendance? Like, Is everybody making the trip? Is it going to be a lot of people there in attendance to support you? There's going to be a lot of, lot, lot of supporters there. Uh, I've got a very big fan base in Greece, so we're expecting a, a packed-out stadium. Um, I have family links in, in Greece, so they're all making the trip from different islands. They're all coming down. Um, this, this is fun. This is, this is going to be great, and uh, I look forward to, to, to put on a spectacular performance. I'm training very hard. Um, I'm ready to put on a good performance and show why I'm an elite fighter. George, so you've, uh, you've, you've been on the rise. You're, you're unbelievable, undefeated and all that. Um, you've been a regular sparring partner of, of Manny Pacquiao, but I know that there's got to be a point in a boxer's career where they want to take that turn and put the, the focus on themselves. So have you, have you been able to feel that this year, that you have been able to put more, I guess, focus on yourself and, and knowing that you want to start reaching those levels and goals that you've set for yourself? Yeah, 100%. That's why I'm out here in Miami. Um, I've moved camp out here now. You know, we're so close to, to a world title fight. Um, you know, maybe we've got eliminators you know, ready to go for us. So we're chasing all, all, the, all the big fish and we want them. Um, you know, I mean, it, it came to a point where you know, I needed to make the move and I've done everything with Pacquiao. I've sparred over 250 rounds w with the legend. Um, I've soaked up every, every bit of, of, of experience from him. Um, and once a sponge is full, you can't soak up no more. So um, it, it was the right time. You know, the right time for me to, to move out here and, and I'm very happy here. 
um, and, and, and I'm excited for, for the next part of my career. What is the thing that you want to, I guess, polish off, you know, as far as this year is concerned? Like, what are, what are the things you're always trying to get better at, and what are the things that you feel like you're getting real results in? Look, I'm a, pro- a professional. Um, I love to improve in everything. I believe once you stop learning, um, that's when you become stale. That's when you, when you can't move on to the next level. Even as a world champion, you need to be learning every day, keep perfecting your craft. Um, I mean, I'm a very fast fighter, very explosive fighter. I mean, I, I, I got my punches that, that that I like to throw. So we're just bringing on different things from them shots, you know, making them, them shots even more dangerous. Um, you know, I mean, the power-wise, the strength-wise, the endurance. I'm going to have a whole range of, of artillery when I, when I come to to these next couple fights. And, um, you know, they're going to be big fights, eliminators, and we'll be ready to, to, to impress and get, get our... Uh, our uh, world title, which we deserve. When you have a, uh, but when you when you're in the zone as far as a fight's concerned, you put all this work into it and game plan and all the situations and the preparation. But if I, you know, if if I had like the boxing genie come in there and say, "This is how, uh, George, you get to you get to finish the fight this way today." What is your favorite way to go to it? Like the the one that you know feels the sweetest. That's always like your bread and butter that you like putting forth when you're taking on an opponent. I love the uppercut. I mean, the, the right uppercut is so dangerous. I believe I got the best uppercut in the world. Um, when I land that shot, I mean, they feel the full force of, of, of everything I have. And we're really perfecting that now. We're really pushing um, to make that even more dangerous. And that, that's scary because people know how dangerous I am with that, with that punch. So when I'm telling you that there's so much more that's, that's going to come from that, um, they're not going to see it. They're going to get hit with that 8-ounce gloves. And uh, before you know, they're going to wake up in the dressing room and say, well, what the hell was that? Was that a was that a punch like when you first strapped on the boxing gloves? Was that one that you were always good at? And you're like, oh, that's the one I like. I like that one feels good throwing. Or did it did it come with with time and you your prep? Um, a lot into it. I think it came with time, but it, it's more of a natural punch for myself. But in saying that, I'm dangerous with any punch. I mean, if it's the hard jab or the or the, or the body punches or the left hook, the right hand, I'm 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 a fighter that can throw any shot and knock you out with any punch. Plus. I got very very fast hands, yeah. um, faster hands than Manny Pacquiao. So that's saying something. Can you give us a little taste of what uh, life in Australia is like? You know, we're 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 down here in Miami, so you know we 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 know that we you know it's actually funny. We have a punter for the University of Miami. I don't know if you know. I don't know, I'm assuming all Australians know all Australian athletes, mm-hmm. but the University of Miami has a punter coming from Australia. Lou Headley, I think, is his name, and uh, it's just it's an interesting thing because Miami is such a melting pot of cultures. But uh, Australia seems like such a it's it's such another part of the world. Mm-hmm. So, the combat scene has gotten so great, though, especially from you know the boxing standpoint's always been there. Um, now in the UFC, you got Robert Whitaker as the champ. Yep. So, fight culture over there. What is it like? What are, what are the things that you see uh, growing up there and, and learning the game there? Look, we've always had a strong culture in, in the fighting game. We've had world champions. Um, it, it took a, a slow. Um, pace a couple of years ago but it's really back on the rise again obviously with, with myself and a few other fighters and then you've got the UFC guys um, it's, it's really starting to emerge and the fans the supporters the, the public are starting to get it behind it um, you look at my social media base I mean nearly 100,000 followers on, on, on Instagram and I've got so many fans only like from Australia that are, that are supporting me alone all around the world so we are improving as a, as a country uh, in the fight game and expect, you know, I mean, a, a lot more world champions coming from, from the land down under. And I believe I will be Australia's next world champion, and I, I'm happy to lead the pack. Social media is an interesting thing because uh, it's such a cool way to give yourself, you know, to the fans and to get people to know you. 
uh, but it's also it can be like a, it can be a haven of negativity. So how do you deal with that that blend of wanting to show your fans who you are and what you're going to become, and also dealing with the uh, the dummies? Mm. Oh, look, it's 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 social media. You know, I mean, it's 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 not you're showing obviously your your life and what you do, and 95 percent, 96 percent are going to love it. They're going to support you. Um, you're going to you're going to feel like it, they're going to connect with you from all around the world. But again, you're going to have the guys that. Um, I mean, want to talk a bit of smack on there. The guys that they want to try put you down. Um, I feel bad for the, for these guys. I feel sorry for these guys because, you know, I mean, they must have a terrible life to to sit on my social media and try to write some negative comments. Yeah. Um, positive vibes. M- my my whole thing on social media is is, is showing what I what I do, um, inspiring all these young kids. I've come from from from, you know, a part in my life where I was bullied as a young kid. I was an overweight young kid. Um, I've taken myself out of that that world and. Um, become an inspiration for so many kids and motivating. So, I mean, whatever, you know, that that 1% or 2% will write something, it's never going to bother me. Um, you know, I mean, I, I know where I'm going. I know I know what my destiny is and what I'm chasing. And, I mean, I work hard for myself, work hard for my team and obviously for my family, um, for, my, for my daughter and obviously my son on the way. We're talking, if we're talking in 12 months from now, uh, what, what do you want to see as the layout? Like if, if it's almost like a job interview, think about like what are your long-term goals what are you What are you hoping for in a, in about a year's time? What are we going to be talking to? Well, look this this next uh, next fight in Greece. I'm, I'm gonna look very good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show something different. I'm gonna put these guys to sleep, and then from there, eliminate the next. Um, we want to get in a position where we cannot be denied, um, and that's what we do the hard way. A lot of guys don't want to find me, so we'll do it the hard way. We'll earn our position, and then from there, in 12 months' time, if we haven't won that world title, we'll be we'll be ready to fight for it. Um, but I believe in 12 months' time, we'll be in line. Well, I appreciate the time, man. Best of luck coming up June 7th. We'll be, uh, we'll be watching you, we'll be watching you be following the journey, and we're looking forward to it. No, it's great to chat, and obviously uh, keep watching. It's, it's exciting times for Team Ferocious. Enjoy the rest of your time in Miami. Thank you. That's our show for this week, everybody. We will uh, bring you some more conversations that we had over at Sweat Boxing in the coming weeks. You guys can look out for those. Uh, we'll have a lot more interviews coming your guys' way as we've been enjoying the conversations we've been having with a lot of the boxers around town. It's such a it's such an amazing pool that we have down here, and we're going to continue to try bringing you a lot of that stuff and bring you their stories and bring you their desires and bring you their motivations and all that stuff. So thanks for always subscribing, guys, tuning in. Uh, it's much appreciated. If you can, leave a uh, review or rating on iTunes or Google Play or Radio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, always helps the product and helps get the word out. It's always appreciated. The retweets are appreciated. The shares are appreciated. Uh, You guys are a great community around the show, so thank you for all your support, and we'll talk to you next time. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.